Whether you're dead or alive, you're just a dollar sign to Jake Cahill on Party Law. Thursdays at 8.30, only on NBC. I heard you paint houses. Yes, yes, sir, I, I do, I do. And I, uh, I also do my own carpentry. Oh, why is everybody so upset about these guys? If it was me dying on the sidewalk, you'd walk right over me. I pass you every day and you don't notice me. But these guys, because Thomas Wayne, we cried about them on TV. You have a problem with Thomas Wayne. Too. Yes, I do. I just, I just feel, I just feel like women, they, they have minds and they have souls as well as just hearts. And they've got ambition, and they've got talent, as well as just beauty. And I'm so sick of people saying that, that love is just all a woman is fit for. I'm so sick of it. Every day I wake up and I hope you're dead. Dead like if I can guarantee Henry would be okay. I hope you get an illness and they get hit by a car and die. Jessica, where don't the humble bunny can outwit all of his enemies. He's brave and sneaky and strong. Be the rabbit. Sure, we haven't we haven't worked out how to corner yet, or stay cool, or stay on the ground, and a lot of stuff broke. In fact, the only thing that didn't break was the brakes. Hell, right now we don't even know if our paint job will last a whole 24 hours. But our last lap, we clocked 218 miles an hour down the Mulsanne Strait. Is that our friends again? Looks like it. Dogfight. Who's winning? We're here. It's time. It is the day of the 2020 Oscars. Looking forward to a hostless show that we know pretty little about. Don't know much about how the structure is going to be, but this... Uh, podcast today is to do my picks and talk a little bit about the acting categories and then there's nothing else to say we'll see how it all unfolds i'm going to be back i'm going to try to do tomorrow night i'm going to try to get my recap out i got a really nice guest lined up i'm going to try to record it it'll be pretty late in the day but i'm you know with the way that news cycle is going out i don't want to put a recap out uh like weeks after the oscars so we'll see if i can get that up tomorrow um for now I'm going to get into my picks for the show, kind of cover kind of what I predict is going to happen, what I would pick, and then snubs, which invariably in almost every category, there's movies that I think should have been nominated that just weren't even nominated at all. I'm going to start by actually covering the acting categories in a little more depth than I'm going to cover the rest of the categories, because these are the ones I haven't had a chance to talk about yet. Now, none of these four categories, there's not a lot of suspense, at least people Anything that happens outside of what I'm about to predict is going to be a surprise because I think there's pretty consensus chalk on who's going to win. And that starts with supporting actress and Laura Dern for Marriage Story. I think she should win. She would be my pick anyway. I think I think she brought a lot to the script and the role and kind of encapsulated this person that you feel is maybe a little manipulative but is also working on behalf of her client well and effectively. And I, I just thought that she did a really great job in this role i'm excited for her i hope she wins i think that if any of the four categories are going to see an upset florence Pugh for little women seems to have 
a little bit of ahead of steam coming in. Now, I don't think it's going to be enough. I think that Laura Dern's got this one locked up. But just the celebration of the year that Florence Pugh had between Midsommar and this movie, she's somebody that you're going to start seeing a lot more of. She's in the Black Widow movie coming up in May. Um, and, and she's going to become, I think, one of the biggest actresses that we see on an annual basis in the mix for Academy Awards. I don't think she breaks through this year. Her performance as Amy in, in Little Women was widely celebrated. Scarlett Johansson is nominated in this category as well as being nominated for Best Actress. In supporting, she's being celebrated for her work in Jojo Rabbit, which I thought was fine. Um, I actually, if I had to pick a actress to be nominated for Supporting Actress coming out of Jojo Rabbit, I would have picked Thomas and McKenzie personally. I love her work. She was in a movie last year called Leave No Trace that I thought she was snubbed uh, as an actress nominee. I think she's really one of the bright young stars to, to keep an eye on. But Scarlett Johansson played JoJo's mother, and she has, I think, one scene in particular where she's impersonating the father who's been away, dancing with JoJo, and it's a very, there's a lot for her to do. You know, people like this character, this movie. I, I just didn't like the movie overall, so the performances within it kind of didn't jive with me as much. I don't think she's she's going to win this category. Margot Robbie for Bombshell, sort of a composite character. So, you know, whereas like Charlize Theron's playing Megyn Kelly, uh, Nicole Kidman's playing Gretchen Carlson, Margot Robbie's character is meant to be sort of a amalgamation of the other, or, you know, I guess a number of cases at Fox News during this, this Roger L. saga. I think she's good. I don't have a problem with her being nominated. I also don't think it's her best work. I think she's another just remarkable young actress. And I do think that like in this category, you see just how promising some of the up-and-coming stars are that, that, that may just be around for a really long time in, in a great way. Margot Robbie's certainly one of them. A lot of people talked about her for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as Sharon Tate, but her scene in the theater watching her own performance is, I think, one of the most memorable of the year. She was nominated for Bombshell. She's not going to win. Um, and then Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell is one of the most inexplicable nominations. Uh, she's done a lot of great work. The Academy likes her. This is just not a memorable performance. In fact, in a movie that has, I think, some really good performances, and this one is among the most mediocre, but it, it did get nominated. J-Lo was the big miss from this category um, for Hustlers. Again, whatever you thought of the movie, she really carries it. She's electrifying. You remember last year coming out of crazy rich Asians everybody kind of talks about Constance Wu and how promising she seemed and then you put her next to J-Lo and she just wilts and disappears and that that's just speaks to how much of a presence she brings to the movie it's really crazy that she wasn't nominated I, you know it would have been so easy for the Academy to do she was nominated by almost every other award body leading up to the Oscars uh, it's just very confusing that she was left out especially in favor of, of that Kathy Bates performance but Again, I think Laura Dern wins this category. I think she should win, and I think she will. Best Supporting Actor. This, to me, was actually the deepest category this year. I know a lot of people talked about Best Actor. I think Supporting was even deeper. Now, the nominees are Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Joe Pesci, The Irishman, Tom Hanks, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Al Pacino, The Irishman, Anthony Hopkins, The Two Popes. Brad Pitt is winning this Oscar. There's no suspense. It was a really great performance. I think Clint Booth is critical to this movie. Obviously, plot-wise, like mechanically, he's critical to the movie, but also just as a presence, as a counterweight to 
Rick Dalton and Leonardo DiCaprio's character. He's really what makes the movie tick in a lot of ways. And, and so Brad Pitt did a great job in this. I, I'm not upset to have him win at all. If I was personally picking out of this group that was nominated, I would go with Joe Pesci for The Irishman. His little understated, quiet, but commanding and in some ways terrifying presence as Russell Buffalino, kind of the overlord of the mob and controller of of everything, the kind of the puppet master behind everything Frank, uh, Robert De Niro's character does, um, I thought was just mesmerizing. I think this is one of the most memorable performances of the year. If I was picking from a blank slate, I'll talk about that in a minute. Joe Pesci isn't what I would pick out of all the supporting performances this year, but out of the five that are nominated, that's where I would go. Brad Pitt's going to win, though. Uh, speaking quickly on the other nominees, so Tom Hanks, I actually thought this was a really great performance. I thought that he in- captured Mr. Rogers. Well, he, it wasn't an SNL impression. Like, he's he's being himself, but he, he what he channeled so effectively, I thought, was just the persistent goodness and kindness that is essential to the role that the character plays in the story and kind of helping Matthew Reese's character overcome some of the things that he's struggling with in his personal life. Hanks plays Mr. Rogers is so unflappably good that kind of the cynical Matthew Reese character, who's really kind of channeling probably the audience's cynicism, doesn't believe that any person can truly be this unbreakably optimistic. Hanks plays it so persistently I actually, I thought this was one of the most underrated movies of the year. It, was, it kind of came and went. Everybody knew Tom Hanks was going to be in the mix here, but other than that, it got no screenplay nominees. It obviously doesn't show up in picture. It doesn't show up anywhere else. Um, this is a movie that I think in a different universe could have been one of those kind of best picture across the board nominee type of movies, and it's not. But I, but I do think this Tom Hanks performance, this is not like a token nomination because of who Tom Hanks is. This is a really good performance. Al Pacino and the Irishman is really good. He's doing Al Pacino. He's doing Jimmy Hoffa, and he's big, and he's loud, and he plays it really well. He also obviously has a kind of a funny little role in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, so a nice little bounce-back year for Pacino after being absent for a little while. Um, again, I, I don't think this is going to win, um, but but I'm okay with the nomination. Anthony Hopkins in The Two Popes is the one that really bothers me, not because he's bad. Like Anthony Hopkins is a really great actor. He's always a commanding presence on screen but this is just blatant category fraud this is not a supporting performance put aside the fact that i didn't find the movie to be all that engaging he is a co-lead in this and when i think about like ford versus ferrari where you had christian bale and matt damon who would have really benefited from one of them running and supporting they both ran in acting and that was the and that was correct from an integrity perspective they were both co-leads that is true for jonathan price and anthony Hopkins and the two popes Hopkins just does not belong here. It's not a supporting role. Now, the reason that bothers me so much is because this was a category that had some really egregious snubs. To me, the the biggest is Sterling K. Brown for Waves. This is, I think, the single best performance I saw in any movie all year. I knew by the time that the nominees came out that he wasn't going to win or even be nominated. That Just the way the whole award season trended, it was clear that it wasn't going to happen for him. But I'm really disappointed about it. He, his character goes from being someone who, in the beginning of the movie, you're not too sure about, very reserved. He's very militaristic and, and demanding as a father. And he evolves through the movie into somebody that you, that you really love and a character that you have a ton of sympathy for. There's a scene about 
three quarters or two thirds of the way through the movie where he's sitting by the water with his daughter and it's just pure exposition. They're basically just reflecting on everything that's happened in the movie to that point. And it's really in a pretty intense movie. That That is the scene for sure that had he been nominated would have been cut up and put into the into the clip ahead of his announcement. I mean, it's just he he shows such a range. It's so genuinely powerful, I found. I really uh, pour one out for Sterling K. Brown just being totally ignored and Waves as a movie, which I thought was a great movie, being totally ignored. So I was sad to see that left out. Another performance that I just was perplexed was not talked about by anybody was John Lithgow for Bombshell. He plays Roger Ailes, and on the surface, he's doing everything that the Academy loves. He's wearing prosthetics. He's playing a real-life person. He's playing a, a complicated is probably the most generous way to say it character (laughs) this just never even got talked about like i I didn't see john lithgow on any list if you would have told me without me having read any analysis or prognostications from as early back as october november whatever that john lithgow was just in that like brad pitt tom hanks inevitability category it would have made total sense to me I, i think for whatever reason and a lot of people didn't think bombshell was all that great me included and maybe that's why, but Lithgow just never even got a look here. And then Sam Rockwell for Richard Jewell. You know, I talked about Kathy Bates being a little bit inexplicable, but I actually thought Sam Rockwell gives one of his best performances in this. I think he just hits all the right notes. I was listening to a, another podcaster talk about Richard Jewell, and, and I totally agreed what he said. This was Sean Fantasy with The Ringer, and he said that where this movie's really cooking is when you have Rockwell and Paul Walter Hauser and Bates just sitting in a room just riffing off each other and they look so comfortable and I think that's totally true you know there's at a certain point you can list snubs all day and you have to actually take people out of the category in order to do that and so I don't know if Rockwell displaces anybody who's nominated but certainly I would take Pacino out and I would take Hopkins out and replace them with Sterling K. Brown and John Lithgow. The bottom line is this category is going to go to Brad Pitt he's won every single acting award in this category all award season i would personally choose joe pesci of the nominees i would personally choose sterling k brown of all the performances this year but it's going to brad pitt best actor this again i thought was going to be competitive like i thought that november-ish if you would have asked me i would have thought maybe adam driver was a slight favorite and he'd be sort of going toe-to-toe with joaquin phoenix not how it played out joaquin 100 percent is winning this award again he's won Everything from the Golden Globe to the BAFTAs, he's, he's winning this award. And Adam Driver will be a distant, distant second. Joker just didn't work for me. I'm going to talk a lot more about Joker. He does a lot of acting. It's certainly like the award for the most acting. I just didn't, I didn't like the movie. I didn't, I thought the character, it's sort of one very elevated note throughout. And so, yeah, I suppose it's a good performance. I think people just generally are awed by Joaquin. I think that's why he's become such a lock here. I just Joker was not for me. It just wasn't for me. Adam Driver would be my pick if I was choosing among these five nominees. I thought his performance in Marriage Story was really effective and hilariously physical. Like you think about the scene where he's cut himself accidentally and he's rolling around on the floor and but he just plays really well. I think the kind of aloofness but well-intentioned perspective of being sort of pulled into this 
divorce that he doesn't even fully understand why the marriage is falling apart. I think he just played it so effectively. That was a really great performance, and, and obviously from somebody who's had a big year with uh, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, even though it was a real disappointment of a movie. The Report, again, not maybe not a lot of people saw it, but he had a couple of really big performances. And then Marriage Story, where I would put the the Oscar if I was handing it out among these five, but Joaquin's getting it. The other nominees, Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This one's been pretty ignored. Um, he does, you know, nice little accent as Rick Dalton that takes, I don't know, 15 minutes of getting used to, and then, it, then it's really effective. It's a really good performance. I don't really have anything bad to say about leo he's one of the great actors of our generation antonio banderas got a lot of love for pain and glory and he's he's very understated in it he does have a very steady presence throughout the movie in the movie he's on heroin at times he's somebody who's just dealing with a lot of physical pain and so there's a weird kind of quiet physicality to the performance that's very interesting this didn't move me in the same way that it seem to have moved a lot of other people i really i like banderas um i think he's a good actor or i think he's a really great actor actually i just i i'm certainly fine with him being nominated but i don't i'm not a big advocate in the in the way that some critics feel that he should win or be more recognized um i think getting into the nominees here is is a pretty big nod to to his work so and then finally jonathan price for the two popes he's a really good actor obviously he's been doing this for a long time um, I still just see him as the villain in Tomorrow Never Dies, but he also, last year in The Wife, I thought was, was somewhat overlooked. He's not bad in this movie. I just, I didn't really like this movie. I, I just think there were so many other performances this year. So let's talk about what was not nominated. Here are performances, like just a handful of performances that were left out. I think my biggest snub, personally, is Eddie Murphy for Dolomite is my name. And he's not ending up on a lot of the people's lists in terms of like, snubs for whatever reason but there was a time when it seemed like he was a pretty heavy favorite to get a nomination like you know his he had a comeback with the new yorker article he hosted snl right around the time that a lot of the awards were being nominated i think he's just really likable very underrated movie i thought this was this should have gotten something somewhere i mean certainly ruth carter in costume the movie just totally was 100 percent ignored didn't break through at all similarly to a lot of the movies that seem to have been ignored this year it is a non-white cast mostly and that continues to be a, a challenge for the oscars um i would have put eddie murphy in here for sure over jonathan price i also think a, a performance that's just totally fallen out now robert de niro and the irishman but i actually thought he was really good i i would probably have him in here over banderas he's obviously he's a lot closer in right like if you think about Joaquin as as Arthur Fleck and Joker or Adam Driver even in Marriage Story they're pushing themselves a lot further outside of just who we know them to be. Robert De Niro is doing Robert De Niro, but I think his his just submissiveness and his obedience, almost mechanical robotic reliability, I thought really is what kind of drove the movie along with then the dynamic with the Pesci character. So I I actually would have put De Niro probably in, but he was really never in the mix. I mean, he got nominated for almost nothing all award season. I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of interesting to see how this stuff gets decided, kind of who's getting included and who's out. The big snub that a lot of people talk about, too, in this category was Adam Sandler for Uncut Gems. Certainly, I thought that was a really good movie. I thought he was really good. I would have been happy to see that nominated. And then, yeah, I mean, Christian Bale and Matt Damon for Ferrari. The actor was just really deep this year. 
It was super deep. The race isn't going to be competitive at the end of the day. It'll be Joaquin. And then finally, Best Actress. Again, this one's been locked up since like October. And it's going to Renee Zellweger for Judy. A lot of people are like, don't understand it. They're like, why? Why is this such a lock? I definitely understand that perspective. For me, like I actually would also give it to Renee Zellweger out of these nominees. I just think this was probably the weakest category. She's very steady and solid. She doesn't sound or look much like Judy Garland, but I, I think that's actually okay. Like when you're doing biopic materials, sometimes doing just like a SNL impression isn't the best way to go about it. She certainly embodies a character convincingly. So I'm I'm fine with what's going to certainly happen, which is Renee Zellweger winning here. I think that if I was picking somebody else that was nominated, I would go with Scarlett Johansson um, for Marriage Story. She shows a lot of range. I think especially the scene where she's sort of doing this long monologue in Laura Dern's office toward the beginning is really where she gets to shine. Charlize Theron uh, for Megyn Kelly and Bombshell. She definitely gets the walk and the look and the low voice. It's it's not that interestingly written a role, and I think that just sort of comes down to like that the movie's not that good. But Charlize is definitely embodying Megyn Kelly here. Cerise Ronan is the one that I thought actually might fall out, and, and certainly like she is somebody who's going to be nominated for an act. She's going to be like Meryl Streep. Like, I mean, she, you know, she's already, she's so young still. She's already really that elite level of actress. And and she is very good in Little Women. There's no question. She's doing kind of like what she does, like so far quite a bit, which is sort of this defiant firecracker young woman who's not going to be bound by the rules. And she does it very well. But I didn't think this was that much of a, of a reach for her. Um, you know, thinking about Lady Bird, thinking about even Brooklyn in some ways. That, that character was a bit different, but it, it was certainly a good performance. So she, she was very good. I, I don't have any issue with her being nominated here. Cynthia Erivo for Harriet, I think, was... This just was not a very good movie, in my opinion. And I think that there were a lot of other performances that, that could have gotten this role. Certainly, like, Cynthia Erivo was not bad in any way. I just don't think her character was written well and she wasn't given that much to do like for for harriet tubman for like one of the most influential people in american history she's really positioned as somebody who has kind of like the force or like this like this power that's like given to her that allows her to exceed in the way that that she does and i think that's a bit unfair to the legacy of somebody who obviously risked a lot and and was successful more because of her own bravery versus like some magical mystical power i just thought this was a very strange adaptation of the harriet tubman story again of this category renee zellweger is going to win personally i would give it to renee zellweger too i think some snubs here so the ones that a lot of people talk about are aquafina for the farewell Lupita Nyong'o for us. I heard a really convincing argument um, for Lupita Nyong'o. I thought, I mean, she's obviously she's won before for Twelve Years a Slave. She's a great actress, and I, I definitely like thought us was going to get nominated. I thought, I'm sorry, I thought she was going to get nominated for us, and she wasn't. The fact that she kind of created two characters from from scratch. When you compare it to like most of these people, Renee Zellweger, Charlize Theron. And Cynthia Erver are playing real-life people, and um, Cerise Ronan's playing a, a long-established character. 
um, you have Lupino Nuango making these two characters from scratch and, and having to interplay them against each other. I thought that was a really convincing argument for, for why she would have um, been a worthy nominee. Another one, though, that really got no attention just because the movie got no attention is Jessie Buckley in Wild Rose. I think that she really puts on a star turn type of performance and that movie I was really upset was not nominated for best song I also think Jesse Buckley would have been a worthy nominee for best actress but again these are among the more predictable categories that you'll see at the Oscars tonight you're going to get Joaquin Phoenix for actor you're going to get Renee Zellweger for actress you're going to get Brad Pitt for supporting actor Laura Dern for supporting actress I'll be absolutely shocked if any of those don't come to fruition Having had a chance to dig a little bit into the acting categories, I'm going to go now through a lot more quickly the rest of my picks. I'll give you for each of these kind of what I predict is going to happen, uh, what I'd pick, and then a snub that I think should have been nominated. For all these categories, you know, in the in the remaining time you have left between now and when the show airs, I encourage you to go back and listen to some of the conversations I had with guests that really go in deep on all of these areas. I think. I was able to find a lot of people that brought a lot of cool insights to the table. And I'm sort of coalescing that here into my final perspectives, but I'm just going to run through it. So starting with live action short, my prediction to win here is Brotherhood. Um, This is a movie that takes place in Tunisia that I think just got a lot of praise. It it won a lot of the festival awards throughout the year. Um, So I predict that Brotherhood will win. My personal pick would be The Neighbor's Window, and I, and this definitely has some momentum going in. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see The Neighbor's Window win either. This is, again, from the same director who made Street Fight, the Cory Booker documentary in 2005 that was nominated for Best Documentary. I think this is just such a, a movie that's so deft with emotion that captures this this story of this couple who, who are watching their neighbors across the way over the course of a year. It just captures it beautifully. Uh, it's funny in the beginning. It's touching at the end. It's it's really excellent. It's easy to find. It's only 20 minutes. I highly encourage you to go watch The Neighbor's Window online. And then I think the snub, and I talked about this um, with Andrew, is Miller and Son. So um, I think live action short will go to Brotherhood. Um, documentary short, this is very likely going to go to learning to skateboard in a war zone if you're a girl. It's a very heavy favorite. My pick of the nominees would be St. Louis Superman. But again, I think one of the big injustices of the Oscar nomination process this year was Nightcrawlers not being nominated for Best Documentary Short. It is an achievement in access journalism. It is difficult to watch. It covers, again, the extrajudicial killings in the Philippines. Absolutely phenomenal. And and the last, at least when I saw it, it was just available on the National Geographic app. So if you have 40 minutes and kind of a strong stomach um nightcrawlers is, is rewarding and, and really eye-opening but um documentary short i predict learning to skateboard in a war zone if you're a girl animated short um this is one of the biggest locks of the night hair love is going to win this i will be absolutely stunned if hair love doesn't win of the five nominees i would also pick hair love um but but mind my mind was a movie that was shortlisted that's actually i think a pretty big snub that i wish would have been nominated and i might actually pick to win had it been but um it wasn't and hair love is going to win similarly if you're looking to place bets international feature parasite is winning international feature there's no no question about that obviously i think it was one of the best movies of the whole year and so i would pick parasite too as i talked about at great length during the international feature episode i'm i'm devastated that manos wasn't even shortlisted 
the Colombian film about child soldiers. But moving on. Documentary feature. So this is, I really waffled on this pick. I think a lot of people expect American Factory to win, which was an excellent movie, and it has the Obamas behind it, so there's sort of that accessibility. I'll probably feel stupid when that wins, but my pick is going to be for Sama. It did win, it's been winning prizes ever since uh, Sundance, and even recently it's been winning a lot of prizes in the last few weeks. I am going to predict for Sama for an upset, and that certainly would be my pick. I actually would put for Sama in the best picture category. I think it's one of the most remarkable experiences in terms of watching a movie this year. I was floored by it, and I encourage everybody to go watch it. Um, my snub in this category is uh, Midnight Family, which I talked about during the documentary episode. Um, that was shortlisted, uh, but not nominated. Animated feature. This is a really tough. This is probably the one to not bet on. I'm I'm really unsure about what's going to happen here. The nominees again are Toy Story 4, Klaus, Missing Link, I Lost My Body, and How to Train Your Dragon 3, The Hidden World. It seems like there's a lot of late movement for Klaus, and then a lot of people picking Toy Story 4. I just have this weird gut feeling, and I'm going to pick Missing Link. I know that, so Missing Link won the Golden Globe, and that was a big surprise. That's not typically indicative of what's going to happen in this category. But with this being so up in the air and the stop motion animation, I just have this weird feeling that Missing Link's going to win here. If I was picking out of these five, I would pick I Lost My Body. Um, That is not going to happen. And then my snub was a movie called Pachamama, um, which I talked about during the animated episode. Visual effects, pretty universally, the pick is 1917. I I definitely think 1917 is going to win this, and I, I would give it to 1917 too. I think that the way that they had to integrate and cut into the into the one shot structure definitely this this makes sense um to win and my snub i'm going with spider-man far from home with all the kind of monsters and sort of the the special effects within the movie the sound mixing category is interesting a lot of the people i've seen have picked 1917 um i don't i'm not picking 1917 for a few reasons one is because of some of what i learned through talking to um Tim Muirhead during the sound episode, and that's going to inform kind of both my sound picks. I also think that a lot of the people who are picking 1917 are building kind of a world in their heads where 1917 ultimately wins Best Picture, and spoiler alert, I don't have that happening. So for me, I'm taking sound mixing. Um, I'm giving it to Ford versus Ferrari. The challenge of mixing the 30-plus minute Le Mans race sequence at the end and kind of just having gears changing and having to have the audience like stay engaged and not just kind of get used to that noise and tune it out. It sounds like it's an accomplishment that's highly respected within uh, the industry. And from talking to Tim, I, I'm going with Ford vs. Ferrari there. In terms of sound uh, editing, I'm going to go with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, again, from talking to Tim, Wiley Stateman, who is who is the sound editing lead for the movie, is apparently one of the most respected and like passionately respected uh, working members of the industry. And a lot of the technology that they use to sort of vintageize sound and recreate this 1960s Los Angeles environment that's so highly respected was was total innovation. Like it was um, new technology that was created for this movie. 
again, that's that's something I would not have known had I not had a chance to talk to Tim about and, and kind of learn that insider perspective of sound. But I'm, my pick, I, th- I feel like I have a little edge here, is uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. My snubs in this category, so for sound mixing, um, my snub was Rocket Man because of the way that they had to, you know, especially if you just think about like the song Rocket Man in the movie where it starts in the bottom of a swimming pool underwater and it ends... Uh, you know, on stage in a, in a packed stadium, there was just a lot of uh, work that needed to be done there with the music. Um, and then sound editing. My snub is a movie called Aga. This is a foreign film that I don't think I've talked about at all um, in any of the episodes, but it takes place in like the Siberian tundra. The sound really builds that kind of wasteland environment, scraping of ice with uh, with the tools and the wind. And I, I just, I found myself very cognizant of the sound throughout the movie. That certainly was never in the mix for anything. So my picks, uh, sound mixing, I'm picking Ford vs. Ferrari and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for sound editing. So song, um, I did a whole episode on this. I'm super disappointed with sort of where this category landed, um, but I, I think I'm going to love me again from Rocket Man. This is Elton John and Bernie Taupin and Taron Egerton. Um, I think that that will win. It'll And that, that'll be fun to see performed at the show. I would pick Into the Unknown from Frozen 2, honestly, out of these nominees. I liked it, but um, I would pick Glasgow from Wild Rose over anything, and I was just very upset that that was not nominated um, for Best Song. Best Score. The smart money here is, at this point, on Joker. And then probably the second smart upset money is on Little Women, and then the third would be on 1917. I'm picking Marriage Story. I'm picking Randy Newman here. It's just a gut feeling, and I think it's partially because that's just what I personally would pick. And I, every now and then, you just sort of hope that what you would choose is actually what happens, just to like validate your own opinions. So I'm gonna go with Randy Newman for Marriage Story and see if I can kind of pull that that surprise pick and get it right. The snub I think in this category was Michael Abels for Us. I think that was one of the most iconic soundtracks of the year, and it was shortlisted. Um, so to not be nominated, I think, was a miss. So production design, um, I am picking 1917. It is what I'm predicting and also what I would pick. The world that they build, and you think about that scene coming at, in like sort of the church area with all the fire, and then you have the waterfalls, and they just design this environment that is very intricate and that needs to have kind of the one shot camera track that runs through it and works within it um so very high degree of difficulty that they pulled off enormously well um my snub uh, would be ad astra i think there's some really memorable set pieces in there that i won't ruin because all the coverage of the movie kind of ruined them already so if you've been able to miss that then i won't ruin it for you but 1917 will win here makeup and hairstyling so my prediction i mean bombshell is is very likely going to win this and that would have been my pick too until I talked to Adam Wondolsky and he made a great point. He basically said that like, sure, like Roger Ailes looks really great and you know, it's a pretty amazing use of prosthetics. You have Megan Kelly, um, Charlize Theron looks exactly like her. So all that, sure, that's a makeup achievement, but you have to judge it by the worst piece. And Rudy Giuliani <laughs> looks terrible in this movie, looks nothing like Rudy Giuliani. It is enormously distracting. And so... Adam pointed that out. I was like, that is a great point. I'm going with Judy. I would pick Judy, but I'm predicting Bombshell. I think the snub here to me would be Little Women. If you think about this movie that uses the same actresses to play people at different ages, and really the only differentiation is through like their hair and makeup, 
So that seems like a miss to not be nominated. Bombshell, though, is my pick. Film editing. So this is historically sometimes an indicator of best picture. A lot of the times the film editing winner wins best picture. I will say no more for now, but I am predicting film editing to go for Joker. My pick would be Parasite. I just think there's not a wasted second in it. And then I think Uncut Gems is a snub here. Costume design, I'm going to go with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, both as the prediction and as what I would pick. Again, I'm relying a little bit here on Adam and his expertise from, from the episode that we recorded. He made a really convincing argument, and, and I'm, I'm buying into it. The snub is Ruth Carter, for sure, for Dolomite Is My Name. She won last year for Black Panther. It was a pretty big surprise that she wasn't at least nominated um, in costume design. I talked about Hair Love within the animated shorts category as a complete lock. I talked about Parasite in the international feature category as a complete lock. If you're spending money to bet on the Oscars, another complete lock is Roger Deakins in cinematography for 1917. I certainly predict that. I pick it. That is happening. Roger Deakins is winning cinematography for 1917. The snub here is a movie called Aquarela. It was shortlisted for documentary, and it basically just captures an hour and a half of water, and some of the shots in the cinematography are stunning. That was not nominated or ever talked about by anybody else other than weird nerds like me that watch every Oscar movie, but 1917 uh, is going to win this. So those are sort of the -the below-the-line categories, the big top categories here. Original screenplay... This one is pretty competitive. You know, not not a lot of certainty as to where this is going to go. I'm landing on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I, I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood pulls it out here. My pick would be Marriage Story. I just thought the, screen, the script of Marriage Story was so well constructed. And I think that all the great performances that we talk about in Marriage Story are largely due, not to take anything away from the, the actors and actresses, but they owe a lot to just the way that the roles are crafted. One of the things that may have hurt this movie that I, and I'm taking this insight from film spotting, they pointed this out and I thought it was something I had never thought about that was really smart, which is that all the space jokes about LA and sort of that anti LA vibe, maybe that didn't play that well with the Hollywood based Academy. This is a movie that just sort of fell off the map. A lot of people also think that Parasite could win this category. I would love to believe that. I'm a little skeptical about a foreign language film winning best original screenplay but uh knives out i'm thrilled was nominated it's just happy to be here there's no chance knives out wins and then 1917 um for all the awards that it could win is not going to win screenplay adapted screenplay there seems to be a lot of late movement toward jojo rabbit but i am sticking with little women i I predict little women i would pick little women and um, my snub here is a beautiful day in the neighborhood We talked about all the acting categories already, which only leaves two, director and picture. So I am taking the obvious pick for director, and that is Sam Mendes for 1917. He's won every single directing award, basically all award season. I do think he's going to win here. I would pick him here. Some people seem to be upset about it. I think 1917 is a remarkable accomplishment, and especially one where you can see the directing. It's muscular. I have no problem with him winning. My snub here would be Rian Johnson for Knives Out. I think it's just almost a perfectly constructed movie the acting's great you know which when it's an ensemble piece you credit some of that to the director the script's great and he wrote it and directed it um, and brought it to life flawlessly rian johnson was never in the mix here um he's my snub but 1917 is my pick and my prediction 
And that takes me to best picture, the final category. This is basically a choice from the eyes of most of the prognostication that I've read, a choice between 1917 and Parasite. I think the smart money is wrong on both of them. For credibility, I called both Moonlight and Spotlight in the surprise years. So it doesn't make me right here. Let me first talk about why I don't think either Parasite or 1917 is going to win the Oscar. Giving Parasite the Oscar for international feature and then thinking that's somehow sufficient is the most quintessential Academy move imaginable. And I think that in a year, 2019, that gave us some of the best movies of the decade, the Academy took a really quintessential Academy approach to nominating, so I don't see why they wouldn't take one to awarding. Parasite, I don't see it happening. I don't see this international film being given the Best Picture Award, even as much as people love it. Now, through that lens, I actually would not be that upset if 1917 wins. I really liked 1917 as an experience. I do think that 1917 has been elevated by the technical branch, and the technical branch loves Joker, too. What Joker has that 1917 doesn't is that the acting branch also loves Joaquin Phoenix and Joker. There are no acting performances in 1917 that have been spoken about for any awards all award season. And so, with the preferential balloting system, again, how this works is that people rank choice their their picks. And kind of like the Iowa caucuses, when there isn't viability to the bottom pick, those picks are then taken, put back on top of the pile until you have at least one movie that has 50% of the vote. Through that lens, play this out. Technical branch members, maybe they vote for 1917 first, and they vote for Joker second. You have acting branch members, maybe they vote for Parasite first, see the best ensemble win at the SAG Awards, and then they put Joker second or third. Then on top of that, you have the Old Guard Academy members across the other branches who resent being told what movies they're not allowed to celebrate. You think about all the backlash to Joker early, and then... As it's continued to be recognized, there's certainly a big segment of people like me that think it's a stupid movie and just talk about it like that. That doesn't play well. Think about Green Book last year. Everybody was complaining that Green Book shouldn't be nominated or shouldn't win, and the Academy doesn't like being told what they're allowed to like. And so I think when you put that all together, this movie led with 11 nominations for a reason. Everyone's ignoring that now. I think it's going to look obvious in hindsight. Now, I hated this movie. It's one of my least favorite of the year. I thought it was deeply unpleasant, intellectually empty. I'm going to be furious when it wins, but it's winning. You heard it here first. Joker is winning. Those are my picks. So it's sort of a bummer note to end on if you're like me and you don't like Joker. But despite that, I think it'll be an exciting show with a lot of cool moments within it. I hope there are some surprises somewhere along the way. And also just remember how great a year this was for movies. And it's a chance to sit down for three hours or six hours or however long it takes and celebrate one of the best movie years in a long time. So everybody enjoy the show. I'll be back hopefully tomorrow night with a recap from there. The podcast will slow down to to once every couple weeks until fall festival season. But um, we can talk about that tomorrow. In the meantime, enjoy the show and I'll talk to you tomorrow.